All right, well, all year we're focusing on, we're going through the gospel according to John in a series called Finding Life in Jesus' Name. And if you missed any of the messages so far, we started back in the uh, beginning of July and we're going to work our way almost uh, for a whole year. Uh, if you missed any of the messages so far, you can go back and watch or listen online if you'd like. Uh, and, but this morning we're, we're Dealing with the end, we're coming to the end of chapter 4 in John's Gospel. And for the last few weeks, we have considered several one-on-one -on -one conversations between Jesus and individual people. And today, as we come back into the north part, the north region of, of, of Galilee, and we encounter the story of the healing of the official's son, the Apostle John gives us uh, the second out of seven miraculous signs. Now, of course, Jesus did way more than seven miracles in his ministry. All the Gospels present the miracles of Jesus essentially as like something that seemed to constantly happen as they followed him around. It was just, as I say, Jesus being Jesus. Uh, but so the seven signs that John gives us in his Gospel are designed to be essentially a sample of the miraculous part of his ministry. But each sign has been chosen specifically to teach us something unique about Jesus and the kingdom where he is king. And today we have a sign of healing. Now, I don't get sick all that often, and I'm very thankful for that. But I have been really sick a few times in my life, and it's a miserable thing. Now, I won't go through my medical history with you today, but I do know what it's like to lay in bed and not have the strength to even sit up and just to lay there and long for health and energy and life or even just relief. I know what it's like to pray desperate prayers that God would do something, that he would intervene, that he would heal. But I also know that what I've experienced is, is really nothing compared to the illness and the affliction that some of you have experienced or, or perhaps someone in your friends or family group that was close to you that experienced. And these experiences can be heartbreaking and are so costly. So as followers of Jesus, how do we face this type of suffering? Now as a dad, the worst thing that I could imagine is one of my kids becoming so sick that we started thinking about making funeral plans. Could the way of Jesus possibly prepare someone for something so heart-wrenching as that? Well, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I'd encourage you to take it and open it to John chapter 4, starting with verse 43. John 4, starting with verse 43, and we're going to jump right in. We'll pause throughout as we kind of unpack this passage as we go. And I'm going to close today with, with three lessons, two lessons from the passage, and one, I guess you'd call it some pastoral advice about dealing with things so difficult. So let's start with verse 43. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Okay, let's pause here. 
So our passage picks up right where we left off last week with Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in, in the region of Samaria. And Jesus, John tells us that after staying in Samaria for, for two days and seeing this incredible harvest of faith from the most unlikely place, Jesus makes his way to Galilee. So where are these places? Let's, let's look at a map together. Uh, looking at a map, we see that in John chapters 3 and 4, Jesus started in the south in the city of Jerusalem in the region of Judea. And then he moved up through Shechem, which is in the region of Samaria. That was where he encountered the woman at the well. And now he is north up in the region of Galilee, which includes Nazareth, where he grew up, the city of Cana, where he is in this passage. And then it references the town of Capernaum as well, which is just at the northern tip of the, the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so while Jesus was in Cana, uh, John reminds us uh, that that was where Jesus had turned water into wine. So Jesus had already performed a significant sign uh, there in Cana. And he says that a certain royal official came to Jesus. And now this man was facing every parent's worst nightmare. His son was sick and was close to death. Now, we don't know anything else about the situation, how old the, the boy was or what exactly he was suffering, but we know one thing. It was deadly serious. The way the father describes his son in, in the next passage that we'll read tells us that he was uh, a young child. Now, imagine if, if you were this boy's mom or dad and you were praying as hard as you could that God would heal your son. And you were probably doing everything in your power, everything that you knew might be helpful to help him to heal. And then you hear that this Jesus of Nazareth, this powerful prophet who had performed other miracles, was just a day or two's uh, journey down the road. What would you do? Would you go? I'm sure it would have been a desperate decision because if I was the father, I would have been asking, do I leave my son and possibly miss his final days or hours just to go and try and convince this Jesus to, to help us? What if he refuses to come? Or what if, what if he can't do something from, from that distance? Or, or what, if he's, what if I'm already too late? But the father decides to try, and so he leaves his son and goes to Jesus to beg him to help. Well, what do you think Jesus will do? I think from our perspective, knowing the bigger picture story of the, of the Bible, we go, of course Jesus would help. But at this time, in this place, without the New Testament of the Bible, this official surely was wondering, would Jesus respond, and how so? Does Jesus have the power to heal? Let's continue in verse 48. Jesus responds, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Now, I think this is such an interesting interaction because at first reading, Jesus, to me, he seems a little annoyed, doesn't he? 
I picture him rolling his eyes when he says this for some reason. <laughs> Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe like you stupid idiots. <laughs> okay, kids, don't say that to your siblings, please. Um, at least that's how I would feel if I said something like this in Jesus' place. Of course, I, fortunately, I am not Jesus. All right? Now, John doesn't say that Jesus was upset. He doesn't say that he was annoyed. He doesn't say that he rolled his eyes here. This statement of Jesus about the, the Jews' desire for signs and wonders before they would believe in the person or the work or the authority of Jesus could simply have been a true statement. And, and it was, and it will be if we continue through John's gospel. This is the way that it is. After all, Jesus was just in Samaria, which we said last week was entirely the wrong place to respond to the ministry of the Jewish Messiah, who is Jesus. Because, John reminded us last week, Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along. They didn't get along. They had ethnic differences and political differences and religious differences and about 700 years of bad blood between them. But for whatever reason, by the grace of God, there in Samaria of all places, and starting with this woman at the well of all people, there was this great outpouring of faith in Jesus just as a result of his word. Now, if you recall the story that we went through last week, Jesus didn't do any miracles there other than just telling the woman that he understood and knew her story. These, the Samaritans apparently didn't need the signs and wonders and yet still believed in Jesus. But back in his own country, faith seemed to be harder to come by. The Jewish people, and especially the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the members of the Jewish ruling council, seemed to refuse to believe in Jesus unless they saw signs from Jesus to authenticate his words. But then they seemed to reject Jesus more often than not, even when he continuously performed these miraculous signs before their very eyes. This is all part of what John said in the prologue that Jesus came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own people did not receive him. Yet there were some who did. And yet here again, we have this desperate father who is not trying to put Jesus to some theological test. And he's not trying to make him prove himself to him. But he's out of options. And he's looking for a miracle. Have you ever felt that way? Sir, he says, Lord, come down before my child dies. I can imagine perhaps the confusion of the father when Jesus starts talking about signs and wonders. But I can imagine him pushing through his confusion just to present his need to Jesus. Jesus, I don't know about all of that, but would you help me? Would you heal my young son? before he's gone. So would Jesus lecture this man on the dynamics of faith in Israel? <laughs> no. He sees that this is a man of faith and he responds, go, your son will live. But Jesus, how do I know that he will live? Here is where we see the true faith of the father. Because John says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. And this is exactly what faith 
looks like. Faith in Jesus means that you believe what Jesus says. You take him at his word. You believe that he will do what he says he will do. And and then you obey his word. See, the father believed that Jesus would somehow heal the son. He didn't need to understand how. Just as he said. And that he could obey his word and go back home. And so the man headed back to Capernaum from Cana. How do you think he felt along the way? What do you think he would find when he got there? Had he been a fool to trust in this man, Jesus? Look at verse 51. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. He was alive. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. And this is God's word. Well, in desperation, again, a father goes to Jesus to beg him to heal his young son. And when Jesus promises healing, the father responds to him in faith, believing Jesus, believing his promise to heal his son, and returning home in obedience to him. Now, in this story, one of the, I don't know if this needs to be pointed out, but one of the things that we see is that Jesus doesn't need to be near someone or touching someone to heal them. Nor does Jesus have like certain magic words that he needs to recite in order to heal someone. And, and he doesn't have uh, medical knowledge of certain medications and things to be able to apply to someone in order to bring healing. Jesus here proves that he is able to heal simply by an act of his will. Now there's no way that the father could have known at the time But when he met and talked with his servants on the way home, he realized later that it was exactly at the time of his conversation with Jesus that his son was healed. Now then, there are some interesting parallels here to me to the story that we considered last week, the story of the woman at the well. There's this one-on-one encounter with Jesus, and then the person, in the previous passage, it was the woman at the well, uh, and here it is this father, that person goes back home, and the result of their encounter with Jesus and their testimony, their story about that, is that many other people believe in Jesus as well. Now, this is a normal, just a normal dynamic of what it looks like to follow Jesus, even today. One person coming to faith in Jesus can lead to the faith of many other people just simply through sharing their testimony. One person is changed in some way by the good news or the power of Jesus, and they want everybody else to experience the same thing as well. And here, just as maybe a good reminder, you don't have to be the next Billy Graham to have an impact on the world for Jesus. All you really need to do is to have a story and the courage to share it. 
So with the testimony of our dear sister in Christ, many believed in Samaria, in Jesus. And so with the testimony of this father and the healing of his son, their whole household, probably servants included, put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so this story is similar to other interactions with Jesus. In fact, there are many stories of healing in the gospel accounts of the life and the ministry of Jesus. Again, the picture is this is Jesus being Jesus. But why does John share this particular story with us? And the answer is rooted, I believe, in his reason for writing the whole gospel. He says that he writes in order that we might find life in Jesus' name. Well, how do we do this in the face of the many illnesses and afflictions that we or those we love might suffer in this broken world? How can we find the life that God says that he wants for us, his children, when we are still in need of healing? Well, I'll close today, as I said, with two lessons from this passage and perhaps some pastoral advice. First, we must go to Jesus for healing. Second, we will see how we can trust him for healing. And third, what do we do if healing doesn't come? First, go to Jesus for healing. Now, clearly the father knew his son needed healing. There was no denying his need. Now, compared to some of the other needs that people have in this broken world, typically the need for healing is not hard to see. But this isn't always true. There are some struggles, some addictions, various mental health disorders that can be very difficult for people to see and accept the fact that they need help or healing. But most of the time, if you're sick, you know it. It's not a great mystery. But even during the time of Jesus, I'm sure that there were parents with sick kids who maybe hesitated or even refused to bring their need for healing to Jesus. Now, one lesson from this passage is that we can go to him in our time of need. And not just for spiritual matter, matters or for spiritual healing. Often, I believe, the physical healing that we see in the gospel accounts is a picture pointing to our greater need for spiritual healing and restoration with God. But God also cares for our bodies and our minds and our relationships. These are not lower or unimportant things in his world. He also cares for our mental and emotional and physical healing as well as spiritual. Jesus doesn't rebuke this man for bothering him. He makes the comment about signs and wonders and faith, but the man responds in faith. And he demonstrates that he is willing and able to heal his son. Now, I think stories like this serve as an invitation to us all. For anyone today, if you need healing, you can go to Jesus for healing. No matter where you are in the world, you can pray to him. You don't even have to do what this man did traveling from Capernaum to Cana. You can pray today wherever you are and he will hear you. He will not rebuke you or be annoyed with you. You are not bothering him. In fact, he says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, is anyone sick 
among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The power of prayer is powerful. Therefore, every time our elder board meets, we spend time praying for you. And especially for, the, for healing for those who are ill. If you are too sick to come here, we will go to you and we'll pray with you. All you have to do is let us know and we will come and pray. Now we modern people, with all of our faith in science and technology and medicine, are, we're so influenced by a naturalistic or a materialistic view of the world, which basically says that the physical world is all that there is. That we might feel as modern people that it's antiquated to pray to God for healing. But I must say, if God created the world and everything in it, then the context for all of creation is a miracle. So would it be that great of a difficulty for our creator to do a much smaller miracle of healing? I don't think so. Now, whether Jesus decides to heal through the normal means that he has given us in his creation, including seeking the medical care of doctors and nurses and medication and surgery and so forth, or whether Jesus decides to heal through a more direct means, as he did in that day, we can pray for healing and we can seek healing just as the Father sought healing and we can thank God when healing comes whatever the means of healing are used. Just as the Father did in the story, we too can go to Jesus for healing. Number two, how can we trust Jesus for healing? Was this Father just like incredibly strong in his faith? Maybe some of us are feeling a little weaker. The father heard the promise of Jesus that his son would live and he believed him. He trusted him. He took Jesus at his word. And this is one of the main themes of John's gospel, that we can, we can find real and eternal life, but only by faith in Jesus' name. Well, how can we live like this? How can we be people of faith and trust Jesus for healing? Take him at his word. Especially when it is so heart-wrenching to watch someone that you love suffer. Watching someone endure pain and hardship can test our faith in God. And sometimes it feels like it is stretched to the breaking point. Well, first, it's stories like this that show us that Jesus has the power to heal. To say the obvious, this is something that only God can do, which is why John includes it as one of the seven signs which reveal the glory of the person of Jesus. But there are so many stories of healing in the Bible, throughout the Bible, and so we can trust Jesus for healing because we see and we hear again and again his heart for his people that we might have life and have it to the full. He did it then, he can do it again. Now that should probably be enough for us to trust him, but even after the power and the faithfulness of God that we see again and again throughout all the generations of the scriptures, we can also listen to one another today. We can listen to the stories of healing 
of our Christian brothers and sisters today. Uh, in our last membership class this summer, we heard the testimonies of two different people who were miraculously healed by God. And it's testimonies, it's stories like this that help us to trust in Jesus for healing. Ultimately, I would say that we can trust in Jesus for healing because in his resurrection from the dead, Jesus demonstrated that he has power even over death. So of course he has power over illness as well. How do we trust in him? We trust him by listening to his word and listening to the stories of others and seeing him risen from the grave. Now third and finally, maybe some pastoral advice. What do we do if healing doesn't come? Now this can be heartbreaking. What do we do when we pray and we pray and we pray and we trust the Lord and nothing seems to happen. Now I have walked with several of you through times like this where we prayed for weeks or months for healing, for freedom from addiction, for, for deliverance from bondage and in the end, the answer from God seemed to be no. Well, I would encourage you to remember that for the Christian, the answer to a prayer for healing is never finally no, but rather not yet. For after his death on the cross for the sins of the world and his resurrection from the dead, our Lord promised one day to return. And when he returns, the dead will be raised and all will give an account of our lives before our maker. The ones without faith will be forever separated from the life and the light and the love of God. But the ones of faith, will, those who trust in him today, will be made new and will live in a world where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. The answer, if healing doesn't come, is the same as if it does. We must put our faith and trust in Jesus. And he will bring healing in his time and according to his glory and his wisdom and his power. And so we, may we respond to him and in him with thanks and praise forever and ever. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, this is a weighty text. And I sense the burden that some of us have endured and bear even today with various illnesses and afflictions either in our lives or in the lives of those that we love and that have been entrusted to our care. I pray especially, Lord, for the parents, just like this father who went to you, Lord Jesus, I pray for parents who deal with illnesses with their kids. I pray for some of us adult children who are seeking to love and serve the needs of our aging parents and some of the illnesses and 
hardships that come toward the end of life. I think of Lord, I think of uh, Lord the, the burden of unexpected illness, the shock and the grief. And Lord, in all these difficult situations, I ask that you would give us by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word, the courage and the faith to bring these needs to you. And Father, today I pray for healing for those who are currently ill. Lord, I pray for those who couldn't make it, couldn't join us in person today because they couldn't get out of bed. I pray that you would heal them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that the the community of, of this body, of your church, that we would be people who long for, pray for, and work for the healing and the flourishing life of all of the people in our lives that you've entrusted to our care. God, we cannot do this on our own, so we look to you, and we are desperate in need for your power and your wisdom and your work. So Lord, we trust you, and we move forward today in faith, in Jesus' name, amen.